Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro and I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A group at Steichman Allian. For today's podcast, I'd like to introduce Michael Platt. Michael is the Chief Executive Officer of Commercorp. Michael, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Mario. Michael, I always start by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves and your case also about karma. So maybe we'll start by learning a little bit more about yourself and then tell us about karma and how you ended up buying karma. Sure. I started my career as a corporate tax lawyer at a big Canadian firm, practiced predominantly in the mining sector. And over the five years or so that I was practicing, I became more interested in the financial, strategic and business sides of the deals than the legal and tax. And overnight, I transitioned and moved into management consulting, joining one of the larger international firms. And I was very fortunate to work on pure play corporate strategy engagements, again, with focus in the energy sector, but even more so in the utilities and power sectors. And after about three years in consulting and 10 plus years in professional advisory services, I had the itch and perhaps the verdict is still out, whether it was a good move or bad move. But I had the itch to pursue something entrepreneurial and I was aware of the search fund model and I applied a little bit of a twist to it and decided I would launch a self-funded search. So on paper, I probably smelt and looked a lot like a search fund, but I was funding the search myself and I had allocated about two years to that process. So I launched the process very early on in the search. I identified the submetering sector as a space that I was really attracted to. And one October day, I called every submetering business in Ontario, which isn't a big number but certainly called each one. And Rick Williams, the owner of Karma at the time, said he wasn't interested, but I should stay in touch. So I said, sure, no problem. And for the next eight months, I called him every month just to connect, see what was occurring in the market, what was occurring with his business. And ultimately he invited me to Lindsay, Ontario, where their head office is located. And I met him and his corporate partner. We had a very positive, engaging conversation. And a few weeks later, he invited me back to meet his adult children who were involved in the business. And again, we hit it off and had a very pleasant, positive conversation and decided to negotiate an LOI. Fast forward three months, we signed an LOI. It's very convoluted. It's 11 pages long. It's a multi-tiered transaction. Certain assets were staying with the business. Some assets weren't staying with the business. And perhaps most notably as part of the LOI, I had committed to living in Lindsay from the time we signed the LOI to when we closed the deal. So for the next eight months, and I'll admit it was a a long diligence process. I was living in Lindsay three, four days a week. I was staying at the Days Inn Hotel three, four nights a week. And ultimately in August of 2019, after finding a wonderful strategic and financial sponsor and partner, Terra Nova Partners, we closed the transaction. So I suppose that's my brief professional and search experience to date. You demonstrate your commitment to doing your deal where you're willing to literally move to the location where the target was. And I remember those days you were there, literally living there. Karma is a very interesting business in that maybe we'll talk a little bit about why it was such an attractive target for you. And where I really want to go is, you know, what your growth plan and works. Because I think what's one of the interesting aspects of this story is your thought process about how you wanted to grow this business and where you wanted to take it. Let's talk a little bit about Karma because I think maybe that'll make people understand why you lived in Lindsay. <laughs> So So at a very high level, Karma is a submetering provider. We manufacture, supply utility submeters in multi-residential buildings, whether that's a condominium or an apartment, as well as commercial buildings. And the solution enables us to bill occupants, residents, tenants individually based on their consumption of the specific utility that we're metering, which could be electricity, water, gas, or thermal energy. And in the case of commercial clients, 
we typically provide a data dump and various analytics to the building operator. So what I loved about the business was it checked a lot of boxes that I was looking for. So looking at the economics, they're very attractive. The margins are very high, very similar to what you would expect in a SaaS business. When you looked at the specific business of Karma, it had an outstanding client base, very diversified, recurring customer base, necessity-based customer in Ontario, some metering for electricity is mandated. And then looking at the industry, the multi-residential tailwinds, as many people are well aware, have been outstanding over the last five, 10 years. And the tarmac is still quite long looking ahead. So there is a good mix of characteristics across the board. And fortunately, I really clicked with the owner at the time as well, which made life easier. So we did the deal. And I guess in addition to some metering, growth was, you know, critical for us. I think what a unique element of your deal, Mike, and maybe this perspective would be great for audiences. I mean, this deal came together because of the relationship you built with the owner. There was no process, right? You didn't have a deal advisor. This literally was on the ground, you building a foundation brick by brick. Maybe talk about that uniqueness. From an outsider looking in, I remember that's how this deal happened. You built a relationship built on trust with this owner and a friendship. And obviously the your fact that you were committed to be there every day for months, I think was probably the glue that's made this thing stick. If I could call it the secret sauce, it's probably yeah, not yeah. secret, but before we get into the karma opportunity, I just think that's such a unique element of your sure. process. You mentioned the word trust. And when I think back to karma and acquisition and the subsequent acquisitions that we've been very fortunate and lucky to execute, I think the reason we've been able to is because myself, Terra Nova, some of the other operators that, you know, are operating within the karma group have really been able to build trust with sellers. And I think as a searcher, you've got a unique opportunity to do so because you're not a private equity fund. You're not a family office. You're typically someone young and aspirational and ambitious. And I think that can really resonate with people. But at the same time, I think you've really got to commit to building a relationship. It can't just be viewed as a transaction with this seller, right? Because most operators that are near retirement, they don't think in transactions. They're not thinking about private equity funds. They're thinking about who can I divest this business to that's going to preserve my legacy, that's going to strengthen this business. And you've got to somehow create a relationship where they trust that you're the person that's going to do it. And you've really got to want to do it too it's really easy to see through. And I was really committed to karma. I was really committed to the sub metering space. I really wanted to preserve Rick's legacy and hopefully we have, but I think you got to be all in, I think as a searcher and that's on all fronts, including building relationships with potential sellers. I want to build on the trust element because what's also unique, Mike, about your deal is given its size and all was you clearly built a relationship with Terra Nova. And I remember this when we were doing the deal and you were debating between having a one LP and multiple LPs. And you decided that you felt really good about this one relationship with Terra Nova and you felt that you could really build a strong partnership. I mean, that is unique. We don't often see a one LP fund. It's not common. And yet you went down that path. And I think your thoughts on this because of the trust and the, the relationship you built with Terra Nova. I feel very, very lucky to have such an incredible relationship with Terra Nova and perhaps it's been easier because we've had some success and <laughs> make life easier, but they're a really great group of people to work with. And when I met them for the first time, I felt a certain degree of camaraderie. I felt I could trust them and that has only become more and more so. I think for individuals debating individual LP versus multiple LPs, you've got to do what you feel comfortable with and you got to do it with people that you think you can work with for the next five, seven, 10 years. And for me, I felt that instantly with Terra Nova and without being too cheesy and it's worked out really, really well and very, very fortunate and lucky to have had such a great experience.
And thinking back, you know, a lot of what we'll get into shortly is the M&A and how we've been fortunate to execute deal after deal. I think having a single LP has made that a lot easier. I think if we were sitting with multiple LPs at the table, that's not to say we couldn't do it, but it does make it more challenging for various reasons. People have different objectives. Valuation starts to become an issue on deals, depending on how people want to invest. So something to keep in mind, depending on what your investment thesis is in the specific business. And again, with Terranova, we've been aligned since day one and will continue to be, and it's worked out really, really well. And I want to talk about the growth of this business and maybe the context. I mean, you obviously do your homework on the submetering space. It's a really good space for private equity. You weren't the first to get to the space. There are other private equity players. So you are entering a super competitive space, one that had enormous potential, but then also enormous competition. And so it's interesting how you built the growth story on some acquisitions and where you wanted to take this business. And frankly, the very fact that you bought this business without a process in a space that has a lot of private equity players who are continuously looking for opportunities is a great story. But maybe we focus on telling us about your growth story in a very competitive space and how you've been able to execute on your growth story. The growth strategy at Karma has been twofold. One, building up the submetering space organically and by way of M&A. And two, and I'll get to it shortly, but entering into additional essential services that service exclusively condos and apartments and commercial buildings. So when shifting back to the submetering growth strategy, there was a few regional players in the market. We wanted to accelerate growth quickly. We knew there would be significant synergies. And similar to my approach with Rick at Karma, from day one, I just tried to build relationships with our competitors. Perhaps I didn't view them as competitors. I just viewed them maybe as targets. But to me, it was about building relationships and you know letting them know that I would be interested at some point whenever they were interested to let me know, but I didn't view them as a transaction. And I think a lot of people oftentimes do that. And I think entrepreneurs that build businesses see that. So for me, it was, and I genuinely meant it. I wanted to build relationships with you know our competitors because you never know when you're going to need to lean on someone in your space. So I applied that approach to the current market. And we were very fortunate within our first 24 months to acquire two submetering players that essentially double our multi-residential portfolio overnight. And again, the stars aligned, we got lucky and it worked out. Shifting to the non-submetering space, the blessing and the curse of it is you do know what your revenue is going to look like year over year because it's so contractual. So it's not like other businesses where you spend a lot of money on marketing and sales, you can just generate revenue, generate EBITDA, right? You've got to find other ways of doing it in the short term if you want to create quick EBITDA growth. So in addition to the M&A and the submetering space, we pursued a horizontal strategy whereby we were going to enter into new verticals that provided essential services to our existing customer base. So in 2021, we acquired a business called Spectrum Building Services. It's led by Matt Gray, and they provide specialized maintenance and cleaning services to condos, apartments like mold remediation, disaster recovery, restoration, et cetera. And since then, we've done a few bolt-ons to expand their services, acquiring odor control businesses, underground garage, power washing businesses. And hopefully that's pillar two out of hopefully what will be all at some point, multiple pillars, and we'll be providing multiple essential services to the condominium, permanent and commercial building sectors across Canada. Mike, you've had great success on the MA front. And what's even more interesting, it's been proprietary. Like a lot of this success has not been using deal advisors, but frankly, you continually knock in some of your search fund strategies continue to kind of take hold here. And I can ask you a bit how you kind of worked your proprietary strategy to focus on these businesses. I some just, of them have been working with Mario and they, they know <laughs> we get the deal done. <laughs> I love that part of you know my role. It gets me really excited. I love talking to business owners. I love building relationships with business owners. Again, 
I don't view them as transactions. I really try and build relationships. And I'm just fortunate that that's what gets me excited. So it makes it not easy, but it makes it really enjoyable. So when I'm cold calling, when I'm cold emailing, it's something I enjoy doing. And that's why I allocate a big portion of my time in doing so. But again, the stars need to align for it to work out. And we've been lucky that they have, but you've got to allocate the time to that part of your business if it's something that you're really trying to pursue and execute. It takes years to build these relationships. Can I ask you, Mike, what's been the greatest challenge for you in doing M&A in this kind of structure? Like, is there anything in particular you would say has been a challenge? So candidly, I'm not sure I would have been at the table for some of these transactions or businesses if they were marketed. But at the same time, when you're involved in a proprietary search, it requires a lot of patience. It requires a lot of education. And in contrast to when you're involved in a marketed deal where there's an advisor sharing with the seller or educating the seller about working capital, right? What to expect in an SPA? What does the indemnity mean? So I think that's probably been the most challenging throughout, you know, the searches or the acquisitions that we've executed. It's, it's tough at times, right? And there's emotions and there's a lot of feelings intertwined. So that's probably been the most challenging part of the deal is the strategy. Mike, I want to ask a question I ask all our guests, which is called the crystal ball question. I mean, obviously you're still looking for opportunities, M&A opportunities. You're still focused on growth. You see the market out there today. I want to get your perspective from where you sit. What are you seeing out there? You're still seeing opportunities. What's your perspective on the next 6, 12, 18 months from someone who's still looking to do deals? So I think there's still a lot of interested sellers, both proprietary and non-proprietary. I think the good assets, good businesses are going to transact at still pretty healthy multiples. There's a lot of money in the market. When I'm calling someone, emailing someone, I'm not the first person calling or emailing. I think what we'll see though is I think good assets will trade at pretty healthy multiples. I'm not sure we're going to see the one-offs that are really wonky and just outrageous. And then I think on the businesses that have maybe more hair that would have transacted at X or maybe transacting at a little bit less or there's more structure to the deal. So bigger earn out, perhaps a bigger hold back. That's probably where we are, right? Or at least that's what I'm experiencing. And I presume it's probably reflective of what a lot of searchers or private equity funds are experiencing. And 12 months from now, I don't know where we'll be at. I don't know where I'm going to be for dinner tonight. So I'm hesitant to go, but I think that's where we are now. And that'll probably last for a little bit for probably the next six to 12 months. And then who knows. Can I ask you, Mike, on an angle on your question, you obviously, your business, your bank relationship is key, not only from your acquisition financing, but just the nature of your business. As you go through your M&A strategy, have you had any pushback from the banks and some of the stuff you're willing to do? Like, are you finding the banks still lending for business like yours that wants to grow? I think the banks are still very eager. Again, I think with really strong assets, I think banks are key. Where we may be hearing little bits here and there is on those assets or businesses that have a bit more air. The banks may be a little bit more reserved, but the market is still pretty exciting. And I think good assets will find good investors and banks will be there to support. Mike, I want to thank you for joining us. I mean, your story is a great story on multiple levels and really appreciate you joining us, telling us a bit about your search, about karma and about where you've been focused on growing karma and best wishes for where karma goes. It's exciting times and look forward to hearing more about the future of karma. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Mario. Take care.